this episode of the Porter Notes podcast. As you can see online, we do have a sponsor at this point, which is wonderful. And we definitely have room for more. So if you want to go over to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash porternotes, you can check out ways in which you can help keep this podcast going. And going. And going. All right, let's get started. Hey everybody, this is Alex, and I would like to welcome you to the Porter Notes podcast. This episode is a little bit lengthy, I have to admit, but it's a really good one. This is episode number two of our ongoing series, Faith in Modern Times. And the first part of the episode, I speak with Sonny Hyde, who is the pastor at Cornerstone Missionary Baptist Church just outside of Reedsburg, Wisconsin. Sonny and I sat down and had a really nice conversation about faith in modern times. And just like with Clark Peterson, this conversation was recorded a little bit of time ago before the COVID-19 pandemic here in the United States. So it's a little strange to listen to actually now because I don't think that we really knew at the time what life in the United States was going to be like when it aired. So keep that in mind as you're listening to it. This was before anything major happened in the United States regarding the coronavirus. Additionally, the second half of this episode of the podcast is an interview that I actually recorded today with one of the nurses at Reedsburg Area Medical Center, Teresa Zolzinski. I'll break in between interview A and interview B. I could have probably cut these into part one and part two, but I felt it really necessary to get them both out today. So please feel free to pause this episode at any time, come back to it whenever you'd like, but I really feel that there's some interesting information in the second half of this episode, which is really important to have out today. In terms of my interview with Sonny Hyde, and Faith in Modern Times. Sonny is a great guy, and it was a really good conversation, much like with Clark, because Sonny is a pastor at a Christian church, actually a missionary Baptist church, if you really want to get into it, but Christ-centric. Understand that there is a a bit of religious talk. I tried to keep things more on a human level, but as you can understand, Christ is a big part of Sonny's life as well as his family and his friends. So there is a bit of conversation about that way. I really hope everybody is doing well, and I really, really hope that you're all taking part in the physical isolation that's happening right now. I know it's tough. Man, it is tough for me. It has got to be tough for everybody else, too. We have a lot of different ways, thanks to technology, to be able to keep in touch and do it. Stay in touch with people, FaceTime them if you have Apple products, or if you're on Facebook, use Messenger, and have that 
though not direct human contact, have that contact between yourself and your friends and your families and your loved ones. It's really important. It's going to help you get through this. It's a rainy Saturday right now and no better time to sit and listen to a podcast or contact one of your friends and be in touch. Check in on them from time to time. Just send a message saying, hey, how are you doing? How's your family? How are you guys holding up? I know that for me, I lend a little bit towards depression and anxiety and this sort of stuff that's going on right now really makes it a challenge. So it's good to hear from other people. And it's okay to be scared. You want to know something? It is okay. We're all scared. If you're not scared, you're not informed. So it's okay. I would say, by and large, most everybody is trying to keep their spirits up as best they can and trying to quell the panic. And that's really good. We're all human beings and we all experience things differently, but our reactions are fairly similar. So it's it's worth it to spend some time focusing on yourself and getting through this the best way that you possibly can. Please keep others in mind, especially those who are older, infirmed, who might have challenges in staying healthy during this time. You know the rules. Wash your hands and stay home. It's a, those, those are two of the biggest ones. Please do it. Please do it for yourself. Please do it for me. Please do it for the people I love and the people you love. We're, we should all love each other the same. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and, and start off this interview here with Sonny Hyde. I listened to your uh, the, the podcast you had with Catching Up with Braun. It was oh, a friend of yours. It was cool though. The back and forth was really was was awesome. It sounded it was just relaxing. It was really cool. I yeah. liked it. Braun's Braun's a good guy. There's um, yeah. he he's not the uh, he's not flashy. No, but honest though, you know, and and but it was I don't know. It was it was cool. It was refreshing. I was just kind of listening to it around the kitchen the other morning. I was like, that's that's. It was great. I liked it. In these in 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 modern times, yeah. everybody I think believes that their times are trying. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I feel like there are certain things that 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 appear to be trying in this this time mm-hmm. uh, worldwide. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I necessarily feel the need to talk about faith in a with a big F. Sure. But uh, how people can kind of keep their head up and 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 keep faith when things seem. Mm-hmm you know, disparaging, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, so, so the podcast is recorded. It's not live. Sure. And so if we <laughs> go into territory that you're not comfortable with, you could sure. just say stop or sure. whatever. Yeah. There's, there's no problems with that. Yeah. Um, or if we tangent, you could just say, well, let's just parking lot that oh. and deal with, and deal with that later. Sure. But let's hear, uh, for people at home who are listening, let's hear a little bit about your, yourself. Um, yeah, my name is Sonny Hyde. Um, just privileged to be a pastor at uh, Cornerstone Baptist Church here in Reedsburg. Been here at the church uh, almost twenty years now. So we uh, wow we planted yeah planted the church back in uh, two thousand. And so um, yeah, it's been a it's been a journey. That wasn't my uh, that wasn't my initial uh, trajectory. Um, I was a physical therapist by trade, and then uh, um, in California where I grew up. And so but always connected to. Uh, to church and faith, um, wandered away from that for a, a, a section, um, but uh, you know, kind of found myself back in a place where 
just realizing, you know, there's something bigger than me and, and just kind of pressing into that, leaning into that. And uh, the church where we attended and my wife and I attended when we were in Southern California had a uh, seminary on campus. Mm-hmm. And so um, long story short, I'd, I'd work as a physical therapist in a office uh, with a partner during the day and I'd take seminary courses at night and wasn't sure what I was doing with that. Um, but uh I guess there was a bigger plan in mind than I that I realized and found myself in the midst of planting a church um, like 20 years ago now. And that's, wow. yeah, it was just a, I guess, I guess in some ways a desire to, to help people. Maybe that was mm-hmm. a the part of the kind of the fabric of, of my makeup a little bit and, and found that in a, in some physical senses and physical therapy practice. And, but um, I guess found a maybe a little deeper way or different way, maybe. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, so, yeah. Southern California, mm-hmm. San Diego? Uh, Redlands, so between Los Angeles and Palm Springs. Okay. So, yeah, about halfway between L.A. and Palm Springs. Okay. So, yeah. And so, Wisconsin, how? How did this happen? Yeah, so that's it's <laughs> a story. Um, uh, one of my best friends owned an electric vehicle company mm-hmm. in Southern California called Legend Electric Vehicles, and... Um, we went to the same church. Um, actually, he and his wife were like youth leaders, youth directors when my wife and I were teenagers. Hmm. And so oh, good friends of ours. We were always just uh, close to them. Anyway, um, a local company, uh, Columbia Parkar, uh, was interested in purchasing his company. Mm-hmm. I think bringing on an electric line. I think they were more, more gas powered and they were looking to move towards electric saw that company as an opportunity to purchase. And so long story short, um, they began considering moving out here. Um, we being friends, we were just kind of praying for them and mm-hmm. wondering how that was going to work and hoping it was going to work well for them in their life. And But that and was for them. That was for them. Yeah. I wasn't <laughs> even sure what side of the lake Wisconsin was on. I'll be honest with you, my geography was horrible, but um, um, I now know. But uh, yeah, so as we considered to continue just praying about it, we just felt like drawn in deeper ways towards this Mm -hmm. towards the area than just hey our friends are going and so actually the talks broke off with my friend's company and by the at that time my wife and I had decided I think this is what we're supposed to do and I don't know what we're doing and Mm -hmm. and so um our home church kind of got behind us and said yeah that's where you feel like God's gonna lead you we're gonna back you guys and um right around that time the talks picked up again with my friend they moved him out here um he ran kind of their electric division. And I think he's, I don't know what his exact title is with the company now, but vice president or something. And wow. and so, yeah, so that it was kind of a, I always try to explain it. Um, and, and in the midst of that, mm-hmm. um, my best friend's uh, top salesman for his company happened to be my, my father-in-law. Hmm. And through all these conversations, Columbia Parkar offered him a position because they needed somebody to sell these electric vehicles that mm-hmm. they were just getting themselves into. And so sure. uh, I always kind of explain it, uh, you know, if you've ever been to a, a symphony, you, the conductor kind of bringing in these bits and pieces <laughs> and you hear music starting, you're not quite sure what it's going to be ultimately, mm-hmm. but eventually it all, all the pieces kind of come together and you're like, oh, okay. Um, and that's what it felt like. Um, like we were all kind of being drawn together, but separately. It was It was just mm-hmm. kind of a... Yeah, it's kind of surreal, but uh, we love it. We're glad we're here. We're glad to have raised our family in this area. It's beautiful. So. How old are the girls now? Oh, my goodness. Um, my oldest my oldest daughter is 22. Wow. She's getting married this summer, um, which I can't believe I have a daughter old enough to get married. <laughs> and then my youngest is 16. She's a sophomore hmm. driving and 
and all that kind of fun stuff. So, wow. yeah, yeah. So, uh, you, you had, did you have, um, did you, did you bring a baby with you? We here? did. Yeah. Wow. Two year old. Yeah. She was two, almost three years old when we moved. How and much did, I mean, okay. So you mentioned that your geography wasn't that great as far <laughs> as, uh, I, I understand East and West coast really feel as though with the exception of perhaps Chicago, sure, the sure. rest of the country is just flyover. But, um, <laughs> Did you did you come here at all? Did you did you experience a winter here? We no, okay. not when we moved. We moved in May of two thousand, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, we got introduced to winter that, yeah. that 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 very winter. Matter of fact, I I don't know if it was a record snowfall, but from all the conversations we had with people, because they said, "Well, God, this is this is a bit more snow than we we've, we've had recently," <laughs> and I'm like, "My goodness, I, yeah, it was uh, it was quite a." Uh, but uh, honestly, I I love the seasons, the change. Mm-hmm. We we. We we didn't experience that where we grew up, and mm-hmm. we get it would get warm and then hot. That was kind of, yeah, you know, that was kind of it. And and so here it was kind of neat to see seasons actually change. And I don't know, it's kind of a good reminder of life in some ways too. At what age did you discover that uh, that you had faith in a in a higher power? Oh goodness, um, I think I, w- I grew up in church. Mm-hmm. So um, my grandfather was my pastor when I was a kid, and it's a really small church and. I mean, so there was that was always available and 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 in front of us, and and I think, you know, at an early age you're kind of exposed um, to faith, to God, those kinds of things. Um, but uh, honestly, I probably didn't kind of wasn't really my own until I was probably seventeen, eighteen, somewhere in there, where I kind of kind of crisis of faith some family things happen and you're just mm-hmm. kind of walking through and, and had friends that were um in different faiths and i kind of explored and just kind of like hey i you know trying to make sense i'd i i knew what i'd always been told but i was i was always kind of one of those yeah but kids mm-hmm. you know kind of mm-hmm. like, yeah but mm-hmm. you know had the questions and um fortunately i had a grandfather like i said it was my pastor he died he passed away when i was 18 but right mm-hmm. before that time he was patient enough to let me just question a lot and not try to give me pet answers he he really encouraged me to search it out for myself and and so I did I mean that and it was through that meeting my wife um I think just um yeah it was kind of my own personal journey of a lot of questions and and I, I think faith is amazing I think there's some logic to it too I think that helps I, I don't know that we should abandon logic to be honest I, I think sometimes I get a little nervous when that when 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 people kind of talk in that frame, it, it makes me a little bit nervous that like, oh yeah, don't you don't have to logically think through this. You just got to believe. And it's like, oh man, that's a big component. But I think you we have a mind that's gonna, you know, try to seek out how this makes sense. And so I, that was my my personal journey. And then um, I kind of end up stepping into or toward ministry um, when I was about twenty seven. Hmm. Um, and then we moved out here. I was thirty when we moved mm-hmm. and. First time I had ever, I mean, never, never been a minister. So our church ordained me to the ministry after completing seminary courses and I guess trial period as to, you know, and I certainly wasn't kind of, I wasn't their typical, you know, hmm. I, I don't know, I guess I wasn't the typical model in a sense. I, I just, I feel like faith has a place in our lives and there, it, it should be a practical place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sewn into the fabric of wh- who we are and what we do. And it's not just kind of like Sunday only 
let me visit that idea on Sunday. But it kind of, for me, it, it became a, okay, here's what I'm believing. What do I do with it? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that was kind of always kind of my approach is, okay, what is, what difference does it make? What do I do with this now? And so, yeah, it was a, it was a, a bit of a journey, but I'm, gl- I'm glad for it. Still journeying, to be honest sure. with you. Still, still was, learning. <laughs> was your grandfather's ministry in, in the church that you're in now? Uh, similar, yeah. De- mm-hmm. uh, Denomination wise, it was sure. a, it was Baptist, but d- different. Um, Baptist of the uh, early '60s, early '70s was a, was a it, pulpits were pounded and voices were really loud, and, uh, and 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 with all, I think I think with good intent. I I never, you know, I never felt there was. I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a skeptic in some ways, I guess. So, um, I never felt like it was kind of a bait and switch. Like we're gonna, you know, we're gonna try to convince you of something. It, he he was very honest and very open and wanted to make sure that whoever myself or anybody else that was a part of our our congregation there they came to faith um, on their own. Um, so you never so, you never lost your curiosity. No, still haven't. That's to be good. quite honest with you, yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think there's some things I feel I'm convinced of for myself, but I I think it's there. It's always they're they're great conversations to have because mm-hmm. I think anybody you talk to, wherever their perspective is, they have a reason for it. And it's a valid reason. We should probably just listen to what they have to say because, you know, had I grown up in that location or in that environment, or I, I may, I probably have a similar perspective. And mm. so I think, you know, I guess that's, I'm always kind of curious about people's stories. Maintaining a, a level of empathy. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think, I hope, you know, you just, uh, I, I think, I think we're, you know, we live in times where I think we're trying to shove a lot of thinking into, you know, some real narrow areas. And I think faith is a little bigger than that. And people are unique and how faith interacts with their lives, and it's it's going to be as probably as unique as they are. So, how would you say that your faith is uh, is projected? And by that, mm. I mean to say, you know, how do you feel that others perceive your faith? Oh gosh, I don't know. That's a great question. I'd probably have to turn that question to somebody <laughs> and see what the, what it's like living on the other side of me. I guess um, I don't know. Um, I hope sincere. Mm-hmm. I hope you know. I hope it's not doesn't come across as show it's it's external but it's not internal you know those kinds of, I hope it's you know I hope it's part of who I am so I hope it comes across as authentic and in, in that way I guess well let's be honest there's probably not a long line of people waiting to take this job in Reedsburg Wisconsin <laughs> right yeah. so you you know your integrity is there. You're not skating by. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to rest on. Hey, we moved from warm climate to cold climate, so you should take me seriously. Um, no, no. But I, I think it, it. For us, it really was. I mean, when you talk about faith, that was a. Mm-hmm. That was a step of faith or a leap of faith for us. It was mm-hmm. really stepping into the, the unknown, but, but believing. You know, we we believe it, it was it was God's kind of call on our life. I mm. you know we just which it made no sense on paper. I mean it really didn't. Even even to family members and and people that you know we are close with. When when you try to tell them what we were here to, and they were like, "Are you sure?" You know, like I you know the reality is I'm I'm not incredibly sure 
it it makes it scary but exciting and I don't know you know have you ever had a moment where your faith was in question yeah yeah and I would I would I mean I guess there's people that would answer that no mm-hmm. I just haven't met many of them I guess I've never met somebody who's ever said oh no I've never questioned my faith I, maybe they exist but I certainly have I mean I've I was having a conversation just just a couple days ago actually about you know just some things that wrestling through and you know friends that are struggling with some things and you just kind of like you know wow is this all is there purpose is there meaning and and then I happened to be traveling I was actually driving Saturday morning towards Milwaukee early at a conference I was going to down there and you kind of watching the sunrise and you just kind of go okay that doesn't happen on you know accident I mean sorry from my perspective you, mm-hmm. you when you think about hey we're you know this this big orb we're rotating on it is situated perfect distance from the sun that we don't burn up and you know all these kinds of things and you kind of I have this physical therapist for, as a living for a while so kind of pretty aware of body systems and how they work like, sure that's so intricate and it's so detailed and it just it was it was one of those you know I just kind of a reminder that yeah there's there's somebody putting this together and I have to believe that they were wise enough smart enough to do that there's it's got a plan in all this somehow Hmm. Just I'm just not sure we're all privy to what it all looks like mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. moment, but yeah. When have you seen, you know, when have you seen faith in action? When have you seen faith work for somebody else mm. um, in a positive way? Yeah, you know, Often. and, and if, if for somebody else or even for yourself, I mean, yeah. give an example of of what that might be like. Oh goodness, uh, I think, I think, I, I mean, you, I think we see it most often in in the midst of just tragedy and mm-hmm. and hardship um uh, i'll be i'll be really honest i i almost sent you a message tonight and said hey I don't, i'm not sure i'm in the frame of mind um mm-hmm. i sat with a guy um called me this morning and a 10 year old niece passed away tragically this morning mm-hmm. and it's terrible yeah and just you know sat with him and his family and and they had to break the news to grandma and it was just um and what i what do you you know what do you hold on to in these moments that are so sad and mm-hmm. and heartbreaking and 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 I think so in the middle of this hard thing you see hope in in this weird small way but it's it's there that okay I don't get it but we believe God's in charge of this and it, I don't know I don't know that he owes us an explanation I but I I have to believe I have to believe a couple things uh, that he at, at his heart is good mm-hmm. and that his plans are good even when I don't understand how they're going to be so good and and but to see that that little ember kind of burning in the in the hearts of these this family that's been struck with tragedy is you know I, I wish I could give you a more <laughs> a positive no, story no, no. but I think for me it, it's 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 pertinent cuz I mean this was you know less than 10 hours ago sure it you know this is i'm watching this family try to navigate tragedy with this holding on to this belief that somehow god is still good and he's working good somehow together Mm -hmm. and and that's a i'm not sure what you do if you don't have that to be honest i mean in some way i mean i know you you soldier through and i guess but i i don't you know i don't know it's it's kind of a dark view without some ounce of faith I would guess have you ever been faced with somebody that you just couldn't reach oh yeah I think 
Um, I, I think in ways, and one of the things I have to try to be careful of is, is I love conversation, and so I love listening to stories, and then, you know, you, you not to try to, I don't, I, when I was younger, I think I would try to win an argument in a mm-hmm. sense, like if we're going to have a faith argument, like, okay, I'm, you know, I've, I'm, I think I've got, I've got all, I'm loaded up, I'm ready. Um, and, and I, and I think nowadays I, I, I'm just not, that's not the approach. I, I just figure, you know, they have a reason for why they believe what they believe. Um, and had I been there again, like I said, if I'd have been raised mm-hmm. in their environments and exposed to what they were exposed to in schools or whatever it may have been, mm-hmm. I, I may have the same. And so I, I try to, I try to keep doors open and, and not, not, you know, have a conversation that sounds a lot like me trying to convince somebody that it's sure. like, Hey, let's just have a conversation and I'm going to really respect what you say and what you're thinking, where you're coming from. And I'm going to really try to lean in to, to your point of view and, and get where you're coming from because I think it's valid. And, and so I think I've had, I've had situations though where, you know, it's they're like, you know, I, man, I just can't believe like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm not here. I'm sorry. I keep doing that. <laughs> I'm not here to convince you, you know, uh, but I certainly don't mind sharing with you my, my journey, my experience, but you know, man, you know, let's keep the door open. Let's keep the conversation going. Um, well, as a parent, um, yeah. and, 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 and the ages of your kids bracket my kids' ages, as, as I'm sure you're familiar, at least with my daughter Cameron, right. who just turned 21 in December, and Xander just turned 17. So, I mean, just right in there. Yeah. As a parent, mm. all you want to do is keep your kids from making the mistakes you made, mm-hmm. and, and, and you want to be able to show them, you know, hey... This is, this is the path that I took, mm-hmm. and you are seeing a very small portion of, of the result of that to this point in my life. Right. I made decisions, mm. um, good, bad, whatever. When forced to make decisions, I made them and had to live through them. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't want you to struggle, or I really don't want you to... I mean, I, it's not just grab the hot frying pan, you know it's going to burn you, right. but I mean other right. things right. as yeah. well. Yeah, deeper stuff. Yeah. And And... Do you, do you get that sometimes with people, you know, mm-hmm. with congregates or members of the church yeah. where, where you're just like, oh, my goodness, I'm, I know where you're headed with this. Yeah. But, but yeah. You, you can't walk it for them. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. It is because, you you know, sometimes and, and that's that's the hard thing. I think if we're all honest, um, you know, we all have blind spots, you know, in our mm-hmm. in our own lives. And and it's good when we have people that come alongside us and, and love us enough to kind of point those out to us, but it's, it's still hard to hear. Sure. And, and I think, but it is, I've had those conversations where you've sat with, uh, with people, with couples and different scenarios where you're like, this is not heading in a good direction. Mm-hmm. And if you don't see it and correct it, this is not going to end well. And, and sometimes, you know, and they listen and even agree sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, but, but welcome to the human race, right? Yeah, That's all of yeah. us. Yeah. I, have, I have friends who ask for advice and do what they want. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody does, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that, that's heartbreaking, though, because, you, you know, there's some predictable outcomes, mm-hmm. you know, I think in a lot, in a lot of things. Um, you're kind of like, wow, this is and, – and so you, you try to lovingly point them out. And I'll, I'll be honest, I've had some conversations that – turn blunt because mm-hmm. it's like you're I'm not quite sure they're maybe I'm 
maybe I'm skirting around it too much. I'm not mm-hmm. really getting mm-hmm. to the heart of it. And I've had some of those conversations, which I'm a mess after having those conversations, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a wreck. I don't, I'm not a real confrontational person. So okay. when you have to kind of lean in hard, and it's kind of like with our kids, you know, sometimes you just, okay, I need you to really hear this. Sure. And I know you're going to make a decision your own, but mm-hmm. I, I want you to at least hear your options here, I sure. guess, you know, so. How interesting. We're going to take this in a broader perspective at this point. Where do you feel humanity is in modern times? Mm. Wow. Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's hard, I guess. um, You know, my, I think we're, I think we're always searching, you know, as, as humans. We're, um, I think we're searching for direction we're searching for light you know enlightenment whatever it may be you know and i i feel like in i feel like in the last few years at least you know what i'm viewing around our you know in our corner of the world is just it seems like kind of a hardness of of just mindset and and i don't know it's 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 sad in some ways because I feel like you know we instead of kind of coming together and and calling out the best in each other we we, we're consistently pointing out the worst and I I just I think we're I was gonna say I think we're better than I guess maybe we're not um but I would I think we can be (laughs) there's no uh there's no shortness of of bad news if you right if if you're open to it right right yeah. Um, yeah, and that's such a great that's a great point. I think you'll you'll see and you'll hear exactly what you want to see and hear. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I had a conversation with a friend uh, not terribly long ago. We talked about uh, capital punishment, mm-hmm. and his viewpoint on it was um, a respectable one, wherein he said that people who are in the position to punish others are affected by instilling that punishment. Mm. So not only mm. does the person who receives the punishment, not only is their life affected sure, or, or maybe ended, mm. but the people who actually do it, mm. their life is affected as well. Mm. And I, I respect that. We had a conversation that went deeper into how do you, how do you stop it from spreading? Right. My viewpoint is the best that you can do is to try to instill among other people in your community the same level of ownership on things and people, mm. people more than things. So the idea of hurting somebody else is never going to come to mind because they don't want to hurt themselves or their neighbor is just as uh, mm. important to them as their family member. Right. Yeah. I feel that in my lifetime, and, and we're not too far off in age, I feel that in the 70s, through into the 80s, I wasn't around for the 60s, sure. we definitely started to gain a more, we as 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 Western civilization people began to gain more of a I'm in this for myself yes. viewpoint. Yeah. And then more and more isolating mm-hmm. uh, and more and more me and myself mm-hmm. and, and less us and less mm-hmm. big people. We lived in Chicago one of the things I loved as a kid was comic books. For me to go and get a comic book, I had to walk a certain distance, 
take a, a CTA bus or, you know, transit bus to a certain location. In that walk, I would see countless people. Mm-hmm. On the bus, I would see countless people, mm-hmm. um, various ages, ethnicity, mm-hmm. um, religious viewpoints, I'm sure, mm-hmm. though that wasn't always on somebody's sleeve. Sure. And then I would go in and deal with the guy who owned the comic book shop and get the issue and come back. The world in between A and B and back to, to A again. Right. Now, if I want to read a comic, I can go online. Right. Bring it up. Yeah. There's there's no interaction necessary. Right. Yeah. All of mm-hmm. all of the middle stops are 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 fading if not completely gone for most everything. Right. Uh groceries. Mm-hmm. Um Household goods, clothing, uh, people still want to touch and feel certain things, and I, I can respect that. But sure. by and large, if, if you only wear the same socks all the time, <laughs> right. Right. you don't have to go to the store to get them. Exactly. Even homes at this point. Right. You, right. you don't even need to go and see a home. You can buy it sight unseen, just whatever is available in the 3D tour right. of the place. And so that sense of community mm-hmm. seems to go, I mean, you really have to make an effort yeah. to make that happen. Mm-hmm. It seems to be a lot more us and them now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than I'd ever known. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right, though. You're, it, I think you're hitting on the, you know, the the fact that we're, you know, digitally connected more than we've ever been, but personally disconnected more than we've probably ever been, and we're missing out on the richness of of real relationship and and face to face and and community and mm-hmm. and those kinds of things that matter i this past sunday actually we were talking a little bit about that that was kind of the focus of our talk was um our our series was love like jesus and one of the things we talked about was that um he he loved within the context of community mm. and and just how valuable that still is and i think somehow we've we've disconnected from it. We, we don't understand the value of it. We're, we're, we're missing the value of it. There's a, there's a book, um, the gentleman's name, uh, Salvatore Basile, I think it was his name, wrote a book called cool, how air conditioning changed everything. And it's, it's kind of a funny, quirky little book, but it talks about just, you know, some of the modern inventions, but they, they drove us inside hmm. and they, they, they drove us, you know, he was talking about not only, air conditioning you no longer sat out on your front porches and waved to neighbors because you could sit in your cool house now and Mm -hmm. but then he talked about attached garages you know you you now you you just open the garage door you pull in and you go straight into your house you no longer had to interact and and i think it takes much more intentionality now to interact and, and trying to help us all of us myself all of us see the worth of it see the importance of it that yeah it's really it is good to get out of your you know, your get off your, your your digital, you know, push button and Amazon drops off a box and and interact and and have a conversation. You you may find you learned something. You know, in that too, a lot of what you see. Recently, there was a tornado in in Nashville, mm. and unless you have people who are connected to Nashville in one way or another. It's just images that you see on a screen. Right. right. Uh, same could be said for when there is a tsunami halfway around the world or when there is uh, an earthquake in Puerto Rico or something like that. Right. It's yeah. it's kind of like something to see, but there's no. I don't feel like there's any real connectivity yeah. there. Yeah, it's 
it's it's kind of a strange thing, I guess, a blessing and a curse in some ways. Because if you you know if you think back, if it, you know forty years ago, mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't see those images. Yeah, right. You 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 know about it because you read a paper five days after it happened or something. Sure. You know, and so it, it in some ways, I guess, the blessing is we're aware. Mm-hmm. I, I just, but I almost sometimes wonder if we're over aware to the point of numbness. You know, almost mm-hmm. that it, we've almost become just kind of numb to it because because. It's, I think you mentioned before, but I mean, you're—it's kind of a—you know—we we live in a, a world now that the information just travels to us instantaneously, and it's almost an onslaught of bad information, or not bad information, bad news. At sure, least, you know, sure, it's, sure. it's just so I don't, you know, I think almost, I think just I don't, you know, I don't, I, I certainly don't know all the biological, you know, processes that come in, but I think mm-hmm. almost for survival mode. You, I don't know, do you can can you not let that affect you as deeply as you might because you're you're kind of hit with it from all sides at all times? I don't know. You know, do we is that kind of a survival mode where we we create the shell where we can't let all of that penetrate us all deeply because there's 20 different things every single day? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's uh, and, and I I mean not there again. I'm not a scientist, but I kind of you know kind of scratch my head and go, man, you know, there's such a higher incident of anxiety and, and things. And I kind of wonder in some ways, is it, you know, it's like information overload and what do we do with all of it? I don't know that we were designed to handle all of that, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, and, and much like in the statement that you just said, I'm not, I'm not a scientist. I feel though that there's been some better than hypotheses that give examples of how we are all interconnected. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. You, you know, pain to us as a species is pain to us individually. Right. And I think that yeah. it's almost impossible for me to think that maybe your own experiences lend a little bit of something to it. But mm-hmm. to see somebody uh, undergoing some sort of, of pain in some way, you can't help but associate that with, with your own pain at some in some in on some level. You hope. Yeah. Yeah. And... and but it is. It's a, it's an interesting phenomena, though, where you, like you said, there's, you know, in some ways, it's we're, we're lacking kind of that connection and community, and 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 I don't know if that's lending itself to a little bit of a desensitization to to people and to pain. I don't know. You know, I I hope not. But I, it's it it you know, it's it's kind of a it's it's kind of a strange time we live in where yeah, you know, more more inwardly focused, more, um, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, one of the things I have seen, at least in, you know, interactions with, with, with folks, um, this, you know, the, the millennials that get such a bad rap Mm -hmm. have hearts that want to help. You know, I, I see that a lot and I, 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 man, that's amazing. And it, it does me good. I think it, it does all of us good to see that there's some young people that, they want to make a difference and they, they, they care. Mm-hmm. And, and I know, you know, you could read probably 20 articles and 19 <laughs> of them are going to be kind of negative <laughs> slanted towards them. But I think that's, uh, that's unfair. I, I remember reading, I'm trying to remember who it was. I want to say it was, uh, there was a quote years ago that said something along the lines of, um, this generation is so disrespectful and they're, you know, they're lazy. And it, and it was a quote by Aristotle. 
Hmm. You know, so I think mm-hmm. it's right, just right. kind of, it's the yeah. same old story. But there's some really amazing qualities I, I I see, and and we have some in our congregation as well. And and these are the these are the young people that are kind of on the edge of like, hey, how do we help this section of our community better? How do we? And I'm like, man, that's that's rich. That's awesome. Let's let's lean into that and let them lead us toward it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that's one of the things I've, for me personally, is, hey, you know, this is on your heart. I'm going to put the wind in your sails as best I can, but I want, um, let's see you lead for this and I'm with you. I'm, you know, I got your back. I don't have to, we don't have to push you aside and say, oh, well, nice idea, but let's organize it better. Man, that's, you know, I don't, so I, I don't know. I think there's, maybe there's some redemption coming i don't know i think that this is this is a continuing tangent which i'm 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 happy to do but i i think that there's a couple of things to keep in in mind about our generation Mm -hmm. first off traditionally the generation before ours are what's considered the greatest generation right they self-proclaimed which is hard hard to argue though (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they there were some there's some definitive roles in terms of of who's in control yeah mm-hmm. and i think that that our generation and maybe just a little fringe edge ed, edge of the boomers mm-hmm. the youngest boomers to us we wanted to be more active parents mm-hmm. we wanted to be more right. involved and we wanted to empower our kids a little bit more because yeah. we kind of grew up without that being the case. Right. Yeah. Sometimes that goes, a, a in, and this is all opinion based for me. Sure. Sometimes that, that seems to go badly mm-hmm. when you hand over to children too much power. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I believe that rather than saying, what do you want? You should be able to say to them, we have A, B, and C, which which would right. you like? Yeah, which is empowerment. Of course the it other, is. The other becomes a little bit entitlement. So. Of course it is. And, and, and then, of course, you, you know, you say, okay, um, do you want to watch this on television or that on television? Okay, television time is over. Do you want to have ice cream, cake, or cookies after dinner? Okay, that's over. Okay, do you want to read this book or that book? All right book time is over let's get to bed and then when they argue say look yeah you got to choose what you wanted right yeah, yeah yeah you got to choose what dessert you wanted and you got to choose what book you had you had all these things that you that you chose which were great and now it's my turn to tell you that it's yeah. time to go to bed that all being said i think that that will embolden mm. the next generation because yeah. um like you i'm also fairly non-confrontational and i think that comes from just you know, it's a generational thing. Sure. Yeah. That said, I think that the next generation is is getting emboldened by the fact that we're we're giving them the power. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that that the um, that the millennials are getting a bad rap from the Gen Xers. Right. Right. Yeah. I think it's a I think it's a little it's a generation above that. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Oftentimes. Now, is it is it bad that maybe they don't have as many details about uh, the Holocaust or mm-hmm. is it bad that maybe they don't have as because they're so far removed from mm-hmm. from real mm-hmm. trench warfare right. or those sorts of, of moments um, is it bad that they don't they don't have that I think to a degree mm-hmm. they should have an understanding of it or at least a very academic understanding of it sure but it's okay that we filter that for them. 
yeah. for the right reasons, of course. Right. Yeah, I think you know they they in in some ways I. I, th- I, th- I think it's good to know what was in, mm-hmm. in some ways. I, I, you know, the old saying, you know, if you if you don't learn from history, it kind of it tends to repeat itself. So mm-hmm. I think there's there's wisdom there. But I, I one of the things I've appreciated with you know just time spent with millennials and just kind of picking their brains a little bit, kind of leaning in. Uh, you know, they're, they're concerned with what is and what what might be. Um, I think they're also kind of concerned with what what could be, and that, sure. which is kind of. That's good, you know. I I think I I think that's a, and and if I, and if we helped them get there, if we emboldened them toward that, man, that's I, I feel a little better about our generation too. That well, absolutely, <laughs> it's not like we're not going to benefit from it. Right, there's going right. to come a day no, where that's true where they will have the helm. Yeah, yeah, and we certainly want them to do something that's going to that's going to um, uh, work. You know retroactively as well and right. take care of us. Well, and I think, you know, for me right now, it's, and I don't know, it's kind of a tangent we're running on, but I think, you know, for, for me, the opportunities um, to kind of hand them the baton in some places in some ways now is, I, for me, is is, is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it gives them opportunities to kind of spread their wings, but also some safety net that, hey, you're, you're not in it all by yourself. This isn't make or break. We're going to, you know, we're here to help you wherever we can. There's, you know, it's kind of like what we do. I, I tell parents all the time. You know, you're, we talk a lot about raising children. Like, actually, you're you're raising a potential adult. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, opportunities to fail when they're younger uh, tend to, to to help when they get older. Sure. You know, and so and that's or to succeed and just know how to succeed well. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think that's that's been kind of a neat thing in this time in our in our world. I mean, with with a lot of things that seem really divisive, and it's like, oh my goodness, you know, what's gonna, what's next? To see, there's a generation that I think kind of gets it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and that's encouraging. Speaking of of globally and, and big picture, kind of taking it back to mm-hmm. uh, to my line of questioning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> In moments of real human tragedy, mm-hmm. how do you keep your own faith? Oh goodness. Um I think, you know, for me personally, and so there again this, you know, this answer may be be different depending on who you're talking to. I I find my faith pretty firm in 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 Christ. That's where my faith lies. And so um I I th- I think based on my own understanding of, of scripture and of the Bible and, and my my own faith is is a God who who has never turned his back, you know, on, on us, mm-hmm. on humanity, that he's still, there's a, one of my favorite verses is in Romans chapter eight. And it says that, 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 that he's working all things together for good. And, and I'm, I just have to continue to kind of draw on that and, and look back over the course of history to watch things that, at, at, at the onset were horrible and horrific and but to watch some of those things turn and 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 bring about ultimately bring about some good in mm-hmm. in ways and I think that I just kind of I just continue to park there that okay I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to trust even if I don't understand it all I'm gonna trust that God's working things to good and um and not good according to my you know my expectations of good I think that's the part that I've had to kind of strip away is that you know I we all have our version of what good is, and I've I've had to realize that I'm not God, and I don't I'm not a, I'm not going to do a good job of being God. So I'm going to let Him determine 
what ultimately good is, and I may not understand it this side of eternity. I don't, and and it's hard to be it's hard to be okay with that. You know, I've, mm. we've had had a friend uh, years ago. It was a powerful part of, of building into my faith. Um, they lost their 21 year old son to cystic fibrosis. Mm. Uh, you know, how do you I don't know how you see good in that as a parent? But they chose to, and that just powerful for me. It, it, it impacted my life dramatically that in the midst of their heartache, they believed there was a bigger plan in place. They believed that God was still good, even when that didn't feel good. And um, I don't know, I think that, that those are some of those things that watching others and going through your own things, realizing, okay, I don't have to have it all figured out, but I, I'm, I'm leaning on a God that I believe does. So. Do you believe that people who have other religious viewpoints can still have a positive impact on humanity? Absolutely. Yeah. Even if they, even if, yeah. even if the 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 name that they use is different than the name that you use. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think if you look across history, I mean, there's been people of all faiths or no faith in in some ways that have made positive impacts and 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 you know contributions to humanity. I don't. I, so my own perspective is I think that's a bit of God image built into all of us as humans that, that, that we, I think that that's how I see that. Um, but yeah, I think there's, I think there's been, you know, from probably, you know, every religion, every race, every, I've done it again. Um, that I, th- I think you, I think, I think it, I think it would be really sad to not see that. I think it would be almost dangerous to not see that. Mm-hmm. That that there's you know across history various religious you know perspectives and people from various backgrounds and viewpoints continue to 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 sow goodness and and contributions into humanity. How do you balance that with a fairly common viewpoint that Christianity is somewhat reactionary or or slow on the uptake for things? Oh gosh. Um, you personally? Yeah, personally, I feel like, so personally, I feel like we should read our Bible a little more because mm-hmm. Christianity historically wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. They were actually on the front foot. If you, if you think back historically, when you think about you know, moving society in a, in a good direction, um, there were, you know, the, we were talking, you were mentioning earlier, you know, the whole idea of, you know, loving our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus said that. You know what I mean? Like, he, matter of fact, he said, "Hey, you should love each other the way I love you." Mm-hmm. That's a that's a powerful thing, and and I and I think so. I think if I feel like sometimes as as you know Christianity as a whole, or if we I think if we took seriously what what Jesus said, um, I think we would be less reactionary. I think we would be a little quicker. Mm-hmm. To 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 dispense grace and 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 so love into the lives of people. I, that's seemed like Jesus had a, did a great job of that. And somehow along the way, Christians kind of feels like detached a little bit from the the message of the one we were supposed to be following. In some ways, it became very dogmatic and. Um, yeah, I don't know. I it's a, uh, there's there seems to be a disconnect in in, mm-hmm. in some ways, and I I I just encourage people like, wow, you should really read the Bible. It's pretty pretty amazing. It may change the way you see things. 
What so. are your thoughts then on religious hypocrisy? Oh gosh, I think it happens all the time. I'm I'll, I'm a I'm a prime example of of what I would what I aspire to be, but what I fail to be, and mm. that's 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 me. That's I'm I'm a, I'm a walking billboard of I wish I were better. I would and and that, but I think I think the good news is that's where I find grace. That's where I find that hey, you know what, I'm a, I'm still a work in progress, but I'm believing that I'm better now than I was, and I'm trusting that God's continuing to develop me and grow me to be more like Christ. That's our that, as a Christian. That's our goal is that we want to. We want to have those kinds of character traits that in the face of opposition, there wasn't, he didn't yell back, you know, in the, in the face of, matter of fact, his, his biggest, I think his, his biggest pet peeve were kind of the, the religious hierarchy that wanted to kind of keep everybody at arm's distance and in a great, that, that they weren't quite good enough to access God. And I think the whole message of Christianity is None of us were good enough to access God. That's why He came to us. Mm-hmm. And that's and to me, that's the message. And when it becomes something other than that, we've I think we've we've developed our own version, not the real one. So, I mean, that's that's essentially flying in the face of of the commandments themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's <laughs> yeah. It's kind of interesting. As as Christians, we get pretty good at I think, and I'm, I'm say and and it's a large you know. I shouldn't lump everybody into this that calls themselves a Christian, so that's not fair. But I think as in generalities, we, we get really good at, at kind of, I don't know, sidestepping. You know, I, I, Jesus actually told the parable one time about, you know, worrying about the splinter in, in mm-hmm. our neighbor's eye while we had a plank on our own. Mm-hmm. And I think it was it was directed at religious people who believe you know, they can kind of push aside their own life and their own faith to point out the, the failures and the, and, and the, or the hypocrisy or whatever it may be in the lives of somebody else. And it's like, man, that's, I think that does more damage to faith. It does more damage to Christianity than anything. I, th- I think humility goes a long way and realizing none of us are perfect. None of us claim to be, but we believe God's grace is still kind of developing us and changing us and shaping us. Hopefully it's a hard thing to maintain, uh, meekness. It's a hard thing to maintain that humility. It's a hard thing to, to maintain uh, a humble, uh, life when there appears to be so much, emphasis on on perceived need Mm. there appears to be so much emphasis on on things that are going to make your life better or happier or easier right and uh, look we need we need light bulbs sure we need need clean water and we need blankets right you know we need Mm -hmm. means in which to make fire Mm -hmm. uh beyond that right (laughs) Yeah, the rest of it's a luxury. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And and if you've done any, I have not, mm-hmm. but if you've done any mission work in mm-hmm. any any places where yeah. people are living in the most, below the most basic levels of, of existence. Absolutely. Comparative to how we have things here. Yeah. Um, 
Mm-hmm. That's that's I'm sure a very sobering perspective. Yeah, yeah, and and I th- and I think it's one that you know it's continually waking our ourselves up to. Um, that, that's been some conversations we've had at, at our at our own church um, mm-hmm. in in recent weeks about um, opportunities to you know. I, there's one of my favorite verses is in, in the book of James and it says, you know, Hey, you should be doers of the word and not just hearers only deceiving yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a powerful verse that talks about, Hey, if all you do is read and even nod and agree and maybe make some notes in the margin about what you just read, but you do nothing with what you read, then your faith's kind of pointless. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it, which is pretty powerful because I believe that James is actually like the half brother that, younger brother of Jesus who writes this. So, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's been one of the things that we've been talking about a lot is that, you know, just how do we step back and, and open our eyes to the, our community, our, our, our country, our world, mm-hmm. and recognize that there's, you know, one of the things that we've kind of, one of the sayings we've adopted is, hey, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Because we also realize, hey, you know, I don't, I don't know that we're going to be able to bring up the standard of living in a country mm-hmm. with a, you know, a church of, you know, 150 or whatever. Um, but we could probably make a difference in the life of some people. And, and I think those are those things where it's been really refreshing to watch people open up to that idea that, yeah, this is about living out your faith, not just talking about your faith, not just arguing points of your faith, which... I never, I don't want people to do anyway. And, and they don't, I don't think for the most part, but, but just kind of, Hey, we, we believe every single person on the face of the earth has intrinsic value. We just happen to believe that that intrinsic value was bestowed on them by God. So as a Christian, are there any parts of the Bible that you take issue with? <laughs> the ones that point out my flaws is that, <laughs> um, so most of it. Yeah. Um, no, not really. I think I, I think in younger years, I, you know, I, I would pick it apart and, you know, want to wrestle it to the ground like these, these, these bits and pieces, you know, well, that doesn't make sense. And how can that be? And, um, but I, I, I think I've, I've, I've got a little different perspective on, on things a little bit. Um, just, uh, you know, I think, we kind of separate our Bibles up, Old Testament, New Testament. And I kind of, I heard someone say um, one time, and I thought it was a pretty good, pretty good perspective, said, uh, you know, the Old Testament kind of pictures God as a founder. He's kind of founding this nation and he's driving, kind mm-hmm. of trying to put together kind of societies. And, 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 but then he said, but the New Testament is God as a father. And I thought that was just a good perspective. It, it gives you, a, God didn't change who he is. It's just his objectives were we're different and and I and so which is the wonderful thing is we believe as Christians we're we fall in that New Testament, that new covenant area of grace and that hey, our our relationship with God is God as a father. Matter of fact, you know, probably the most famous prayer that we're told begins with sure. our father. And so it's a so I think for me, I, I I guess there's probably still some points that, you know, if somebody brought it up and said, Hey, what about this? I I was like, Man, gosh, I don't I'm not sure, you know. But uh, I don't lay awake at night going, Man, you know, mm. This one really, I don't think I can believe. And, and I think that's an important thing, uh, to be honest. I mean, as a, as a Christian, as a pastor, um, one of the things I've had convers- these conversations with people a lot that, you know, they're not, they're agnostic or maybe atheistic or whatever it may be, and which is perfectly fine there. Again, if I had been, you know, there, if I 
was raised and, and saw things and, and my life was, I probably have a similar view. But, but one of the things I, I always, because a lot of times, you know, well, you know, to be a Christian, you have to believe a six-day, you know, literal creation or whatever. And it's like, no, you know, I, th- I think the, the thing about Christianity, like, you got to just figure out what you're going to do with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, I think just go there. And then from there, some of that stuff starts to iron itself out. But kind of that's, as Christians, our faith is really based on this event that took place. Mm-hmm this guy came back to life. Like, what do you do with that? You know? And I'm, I'm kind of on the mindset that anybody that can kind of predict their own death, burial, resurrection, pull it off. I'm going to go with whatever they say. <laughs> like, so do you feel that there is anybody out there who is, is truly lost? Lost in the way, in the sense of, well, it could be taken two ways. Do you, do you feel like there are people who have not yet found the path? Do you feel mm-hmm. like there are people out there who, We'll never find the path. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I think that, that I think that that's tr- I think it's true. I, th- I think it is, and and um, it's um, you know, there's scripture in in Peter that says it's not God's will that any perish, but all, that all should come to repentance. That would that would come to faith, and I, so I don't. It's it's this mystery of God's love, but His willingness to give us free will. And I think, I believe he's given enough evidence of himself that oh, if we're searching, there's there another scripture that says, hey, if you search for me with all your heart, you'll find me. And I think, but I, th- I think there's some folks that maybe they, they don't search or, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that that would leave you in a place of, you know, void of that relationship. Um, and um, and I think you have this lifetime to make that decision. I don't, I don't, from what I understand of, you know, scripture there again, that's where my faith is just based in is what Jesus said is that there's a point where life comes to an end and there's not a decision to be made after that. So with human tragedies in, in modern times spanning the globe, mm-hmm. what is something that people can hold on to, which can give them hope for the future? I think it, I think it, it's I think if we just pause, you know, and and recognize even in the midst of tragedy that there's still beauty um around us. Um probably easier said as we're sitting in a first world mm-hmm. country and you know comfortably mm-hmm. you know air conditioned and room and those kinds of things, but I think just that there's still beauty around us and and I think our hearts curiosity as humans is where did that beauty come from you know and i think i believe in that we find there's got to be a god there's got to be god and and if there is then there's he's got to he's got to have a plan he's got to have a purpose here and i and i think that that drives us towards hope and ultimately there again like i said I, as a as a christian I, I i find that hope in in the person of christ that that was God in the flesh reaching to us to bring us to him. And, and it was, you know, the personification of love and grace and, and hopefully, you know, we can, we can reach people and, and, and affect people to see that, to, to want that and desire that, that kind of relationship. But I think, yeah. in the, in the midst of tragedy, um, recognizing 
there's something bigger than ourselves, I think, is is kind of step one. Just realize that, hey, you know, it's, there's someone, there's someone, there's something bigger than ourselves, and who is that, and can I know him? You know, so. Is there anything that you would like to talk about that we haven't touched on? No, I, I'm just, I'm grateful, really just grateful for the opportunity just to have a conversation. It's it's really, like I said, I it was a... It's kind of a rough day, but to be honest with you, as I sat and pondered, I really did. I had I had pulled up the message. I was going to send a message, and as I sat and pondered, I said, you know, this was such a rough day, but in the midst of it, I had I had to kind of re-anchor myself mm-hmm. in my faith, and I thought, well, maybe this is the great opportunity to talk a little bit about that and maybe work through my own. <laughs> I'm so, so I, I apologize. I, you were, you were kind of playing therapist to me tonight, oh, that, um, walking me right. through my own, uh, just kind of, I don't know if you call it faith crisis, but certainly, a kind of one of those things where you try to make sense of it and realize, I don't know that you can make sense out of those kinds of things. So what do we hold on to? Um, Hebrews six says that we, we have this hope sure and secure an anchor. And, and I think that's, that's what I kind of came back to is that, man, I, I can't fix this for this family. Um, I can't reconcile it in my own mind, but I, I believe, um, there's a God that knows more than we do and he's up to something better than what we can understand. Well, Sonny, I, I appreciate you. I, I truly do. And I'm, I'm glad that you could be here and I'm glad that we've come to know each other over the years. Not having the coffee shop, I don't see you as much as I used to. Yeah. But I, I, I definitely appreciate. Um, I appreciate every person who's ever walked through the door there. Of course, that's awesome. But um, yeah. it was it was a great opportunity for me to meet. Uh, I, I lived here from 1987, uh, with a few years that I lived in Madison and and elsewhere in Wisconsin. But um, when my family started, I, I decided to re-anchor myself back here in Reedsburg, where my immediate family had relocated to and it was an interesting perspective for me because I really didn't know a lot about Reedsburg anymore sure so I had to to gain a new uh perspective on on the town and the people and and um fortunately people such as yourself have have discovered the area and Mm -hmm that sort of diversity um, really, really helps enrich a place. Oh. So I'm definitely glad that, that you're here. Oh. I'm sure that your your church is glad that you're here, too. Well, I, they haven't fired me yet, so I don't know. We'll see what happens this <laughs> well, Sunday. Yeah, still early. This. Yeah. But, and, and one of the things, when you reach out, I, just to be honest, um, was was just really grateful to for you reaching out just to sit down and talk, because I, I, I had conversations with um, my, my soon-to-be son-in-law, so my oldest daughter's getting married this summer and um was just sharing a little bit about you and Lori and just mm-hmm. um the first time I kind of met you guys was when you had the the, the coffee shop and mm-hmm. and I said it was just such a it was such an open and welcoming place and and but I think it was a reflection of who you guys are um and so when when I got your message I was like man that's it, without hesitation I was like yeah sit down and have a conversation with Alex I, uh, you know the the only thing better is we had some coffee going or something but, but uh, <laughs> well, that, this is this is a prop <laughs> there's no real coffee in that and um, 
we got that right before we opened the shop. We thought, oh, this would be so funny to have it out on the counter and people think that we're always drinking coffee. Right. <laughs> and if you look back, it would be really challenging to do. You'd really have to take some time to do so. But if you look back over the photos of, of Kettle and Cup, yeah. On Facebook, that mug is in a lot of. Oh, them. that's awesome! So it always looked cameo like we were, appearances. Yeah, like we were drinking coffee. Now, <laughs> you maybe remember that we used to use the Mister Rogers book. Yes. In a number of photos, and for us though, the the coffee mug was in quite a lot that's of them. That's awesome. Because uh, we really just couldn't drink as much coffee as people thought we did. <laughs> <laughs> so, the behind the scenes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh so there's. Um, there's a few things from the shop that we just were not going to get rid of. And, yeah. and yeah, that coffee cup was one of them. That's so, awesome. Yeah, I apologize. If I had coffee right now, no, I, no. I wouldn't sleep for three days. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. I'm the same <laughs> way. But I just, like I said, I, we were, it was a kettle and cup was, it, 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 my, my, young, my oldest daughter was kind of a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you guys were, were kind of, that was going and it was just such a, you know, it was neat to see, you know, kids and young people, old older people sure. alike kind of finding this common space. And I think kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier this evening about just that that connection and community and, and you guys um, you guys provided a space but you provided you provided more than that. You provided an atmosphere and that was, you know, thanks to you and Lori both. We so. we really um, we really wanted to go into it as a place where people could could come mm-hmm. hang out mm-hmm. especially with with the teens mm-hmm. i never what did we have here we had the the rec center right Ooh. and i don't think that the rec center has done anything for a long long time no. yeah and you know if if, mm-hmm. if you're not involved in a church mm-hmm. you don't really know about youth group yeah, activities or, or that sort of yeah. thing, and not everybody not everybody does, or right. they go to different churches. Right. So it's not as though every kid is going to hang out with all of their friends whenever right. they can. I just remembered that, and speaking of comic books earlier, I just remembered that that the places that I like to go to were the ones that treated me like a human being, mm-hmm. yeah. and if I walked in the door of a place and the first thing that the proprietor would say is, you know, do you have any money or where's your parents or, or, you know, what are you buying? I was done. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't matter what they had to offer. It just wasn't, it wasn't the place for me. Right. So when kids would come in, you know, maybe one of the three of them or one of the five of them would buy something, you know, are you going to get anything today? No. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Go ahead. Have a seat. Eventually they would. Yeah. Which, you know, we weren't the United Way. We needed to to sell something. (laughs) Had to turn the lights on. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And and case in point, why the business is closed. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. But but that that being said, though, we never had graffiti. Nice. We never had, uh, I think the most we ever had happen was somebody had made a a chicken or something, (laughs) origami out of a dollar bill, and that came up missing. Oh, gosh. That could have been just too tempting. Sure, sure. It, it, it probably yeah. wasn't the dollar. It was the, the fold. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but we, we the, the kids were loyal, mm-hmm. and they maybe didn't have a lot of money today, mm-hmm. or next week they would, or it would, it would vary. 
and that was great for us it yeah. really was it was it was it was great now from a business standpoint here's the thing about a kid if you got <laughs> and, and and any kids out there listening i apologize that that you were gamed but um a kid buys something for for five dollars and and 75 cents and you give them their change back and then they immediately are like well what can i get for this right Sure. You know, yeah. and I did that as a kid too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, well, I've got five, five cents yeah. left. You know, I can it. buy five pieces of penny candy. Right. So they were great for that. But then they were also great for bringing mm-hmm. their friends. Right. Yeah. Um, I think personally, I think that our, there, there were two things that were a hindrance to us. One was we didn't, we didn't have the entire building. Oh, sure. So one half of the building right. was either selling tobacco products mm. or or other products that, and I and I know that that was a hindrance to us because when we physically moved two doors over mm-hmm. into the Blue Heron, there were some kids that came in that said, now I can finally come in here because my parents would never let me in oh, over really? there. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Okay. And, and I can respect that. Sure. Okay. I can respect yeah. that. I, I think that, that unless people asked... Mm-hmm. Because we 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 tried to do a lot of press in the beginning um, with uh, press releases and and interviews and things like that, mm-hmm. but unless people bothered to know that or asked us, they I think assumed that we were tied in with the place oh, next door, which we weren't. Right. right. So that was an oh, unfortunate well. part of it. Yeah. The other thing that was unfortunate was, in terms of business. Man, I wish we had a drive-through. <laughs> really? Was that one yeah. of the? That would have been a a, a big that game changer for boost. you. Okay. Because people people don't want to get out of their car and come in and, and buy something. It's just a. It's yeah. just a. It's, they will certain things, but it's a long process for coffee. Sure. Right. Um. So if you're getting something else, you're right. getting gas, you're getting a breakfast sandwich or whatever. Sure. Coffee. Great. Yeah. Quick trip probably goes through gallons and gallons of coffee a day. Sure. Um, or that little Java hut that's uh, that's over by the ice cream parlor. Right, right. They, I've seen cars lined up for that. If you don't have to park the car, right. get out of the car, walk in, place the order, yeah. wait for it to get done. Now, it seems no, that that pushes back against the whole idea of a coffee shop. Though, sure it in does. Some ways, you know? Sure it does. Like, it's hard for people who, who don't have the perspective of a difference in, in, in coffee. Mm-hmm to expect them to come into a coffee sure. shop, yeah. see the price tag. Right. And justify it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's why that's why we started doing food pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And then that just uh that that spiraled because we weren't able to buy in volume oh, to save sure. any money. Sure. And then Yikes. You know, what's the shelf life on a bag of lettuce? Right. <laughs> right. You know, two days right. after that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. But I do appreciate what you said. One of the things that, that I think sticks in the mind of, of, of many people in Reedsburg is in 2012, 2011, mm. uh, when Loxley uh, uh, had his, his car accident. Right. Yeah. It's, that was a big thing. Um, and... When he had his car accident, we we saw the information on Facebook, which is of course where you get all of your information. And Lori said, "There's kids are going to be really upset." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "We need to get the word out that that they can come and hang out here." Yeah. 
And so we did, we, we, we posted it as, as on, on all of the social media outlets, come and hang out here. You don't have to buy anything. Just come and be together yeah. and spend time together. And the place was flooded. Yeah. It was probably one of the busiest days and not with sales. No. And that was okay. But mm-hmm. we really felt like you're not going to, get that at home right you and 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 yeah you're not going to want to be in school with your friends mm-hmm. and you're not going to want to cry in front of the teachers and you're not right. going to want to really experience the emotions mm-hmm. in front of your parents because they're just going to you know this is why you have to always wear your seatbelt and this right. is you know right. it's it's a lesson right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they just wanted to be people mm-hmm. so we gave them that opportunity to just be people yeah and um that for me was a, a, a really big moment for us because mm-hmm. I felt like if I had that mm-hmm. when I was younger, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a judgment free zone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would have been, well, that would have been great. On a night, you know, on an evening where we're talking about faith, I mean, I really, I feel like, you know, in that moment and, and certainly other moments, maybe not quite as tragic, but certainly, you know, impactful in the lives of, of young people and others in our community, you guys provided sanctuary, you know, in that place. And, and it, and it, and it, it could have been any building. Hmm. It was, it was you guys, it was you and Lori that provided the atmosphere that people found that sanctuary. And I just, um, just never had a chance to face to face tell you how much I appreciate you and, and Lori and what you provided then and what you still what you still provide um so this is um we for a while there my my daughters were on the like the weekly rotation of injuries or illnesses and we we would see Lori (laughs) waving as we're checking into our I feel like we bought a wing of the ER at some point but we would uh, but just faces that um you know familiar faces in the community that you know hey these are these are people that that care Hmm. and you know, and there's no judgment. There's just, you know, uh, one of the thoughts that came to me as you were talking about Kettle and Cup was you were welcomed and you were respected, no matter who you were or what age you were. And that's the thing that, that really stuck out. So appreciate, appreciate that's still the case. So thank you. Well, thank you, Sonny. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy and- it. For people out there, if there's anybody that wants to get in touch with you, yeah. anybody that wants to maybe discuss any of the topic that topics that we've gone through today, uh, how can they get a hold of you? What's a good way to do that? Probably best way, um, just website, Cornerstone, M as a Mary BC, cornerstonembc.com. Our contact info is all there. You can reach out to me, you know, through that. It's probably the best way. I have email and all that kind of good stuff. So yeah, be more than happy to have conversations. Enjoy them. Great. Thanks, yeah. Sonny. Thanks. Thanks, Alex. Hey everybody, this is Alex, and that was pretty interesting, wasn't it? Sonny is a great guy. Please take the opportunity to look him up if you have any questions regarding this conversation or just questions that you might think he'd be able to answer for you as a person. If you're going through some struggles, everybody's got some from time to time. He is a great resource. Get in touch with him. And I, I I couldn't recommend more just spending some time. He's got a lot of energy and it's it's really contagious.
And well, <laughs> as Lori would mention, King of the Segways, talking about Contagious, uh, some of you may notice that normally I do the wrap-up at this point, and it's Lori and I together, we talk about the podcast, but things being as they are today, and schedules being what they are, and Lori being at work, and we just didn't really have time to sit down and, and approach this in a fresh way, today's episode of Faith in Modern Times. I did take the time instead to do a quick little interview, and this is a remote interview. I actually contacted somebody via Facebook Messenger, which you'll hear some difference in sound quality, I have to admit, but I, I think it came out pretty well. This is a conversation with one of the RNs, uh, registered nurses here at the Reedsburg Area Medical Center. We talk about COVID, and we talk about things that you can do to stay informed, and we talk about things that the hospital is doing right now, and I, I really want to make sure that I implore, and I say this in the interview as well, that that Teresa is not a representative of the hospital. I'm just talking to her as a registered nurse and the things that she is seeing, and she's offering some advice, and she's telling some instances, and of course we're not getting into anything specific, so I don't believe that there is any information that you're getting through this podcast that is going to be sensitive information, uh, but there's some really good things that you can hear in this too, so please take the opportunity to listen and and definitely take the opportunity to thank healthcare workers. They're, they're tireless. They're not tireless. They're tired and you like to think that they're tireless, but they're tired, and they definitely need our support in any way that we can possibly do it. So please enjoy this interview with RN from Reedsburg Area Medical Center, Teresa Zolzinski, and I'll be back after this interview to do my own little wrap-up. Enjoy. Well, I feel like a lot of the stuff is, you know, if people are are looking at the CDC website every day, it's, you know, people are probably kind of on the same page, maybe, maybe us kind of people anyway, we kind of people, not everybody, but. So when you say we kind of people, are you talking about people who are in, in healthcare? No, I, I just kind of mean like people who are actually looking at the right thing and aren't just looking at Facebook for their updates or their remedies or, you know, yeah, I guess people who aren't here's how, here's how I see it today. Um, I think everybody underreacted like a couple of weeks ago, two to three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I was one of those people. Work was one of those workplaces. I mean, we weren't completely isolating people even two weeks ago. And look at how, I mean, I have a very good uh, grasp on the dates and the days because a couple of weeks ago, minus maybe two days, I took care of somebody who was a very questionable person mm -hmm. that we probably should have tested. Sure. And we didn't, we didn't because we weren't testing as many people, you know, and we didn't isolate them like we're isolating people now either. So maybe we're in the right place now, you know? 
Well, let me um, let me and, get um, and I, I I apologize for interrupting you. Um, no, that's fine. Let me let me lay down some things here quickly because the recording has already happened, started. We've already started the recording, so I just want to backtrack a little bit because this is all really good stuff, and I intend to keep it. But I want to be able to make sure that people who are listening understand. First off, um, you, Teresa Zalzinski, you're an RN, and you serve here in Reedsburg at RAMC. And you are not representing RAMC in the conversation that we're having. I want to make that clear. But part of my conversation with you is because I do agree with you that there is a lot of of misinformation out there. And I don't expect you to weed through that in this conversation at all. Not at all. But I, I, I just want to talk to you about a few things in terms of um, what you are experiencing. And, of course, we're not going to talk about specific cases. But what you are experiencing to this point and what you feel is important for people out there to know based on what you're seeing on a regular basis. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, that does sound good, yeah. One of the questions that comes up sometimes when when talking with people is, you know, what makes you confident? And I think that some things that make me confident is preparation. So this is a, a good way of maybe dispelling some panic to some people out there. And, and I agree with you. I think that that... And I learned this. I learned this way late in my lifetime. Uh, I learned this in my twenties from somebody who explained it to me. The best opinion is an informed opinion. Yeah, f- social media, Facebook particularly, has some real benefit as far as uh, keeping in touch with people and kind of giving you that that social connection, but also that psychological connection, like, okay, I'm not the only person who's feeling this way. But the downside of it is that there's a lot of misinformation that gets spread really quickly that way. Yeah. One of the things that you're recommending right out of the gate here is is to get your information from a reputable source. Very much so. And you believe that the CDC website is one of those places? I do. Yeah, I okay. do. Um why don't you elaborate it's, on that just a little bit? Well, I think it, it number one, it has to be because that's where the public health organizations are looking. Mm-hmm. That's where our organization is looking to. Um, it's science based. Um, they're not if they put anything on there that is not uh, backed up, they they quote that um, uh, like like the ibuprofen issue I, d- I don't think that's well proven and um you know there's a disclaimer if if that's put out um you know they they put a they they let people know that hey this is thought to be so but not not backed up by a ton of evidence because how would we have a ton of evidence at this time you know this is something that just started well we don't exactly know when it started because i don't think uh, China was exactly truthful in the beginning, but um, Do you, so late then last year. to say that you're 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 suggesting, and I'm not disagreeing with you, that there hasn't been a lot of information that's being that's had been shared about this virus previously. Well, because it's new. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's all I'm saying is because it it, it just you know it just started. For instance, yesterday um, I uh, saw on a news program, you know, ad- additional symptoms because we're very focused on shortness of breath, sore throat, cough, fever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's so put out there that people people really don't, you know, that's all they're looking at. Sure. But there's, there's 
loss of taste, um, increased mucus production. Um, you know, it, it's not as cut and dried, I don't think, as um, we wish it would be. But I think the CDC is doing the best that they can to keep it simple enough, yet convey truthful, sound information. You touched on the ibuprofen thing, and that is one of the things that I've recently had come across uh, in my messenger, actually, Facebook Messenger. There's this uh, video clip. I, I don't know whether or not you've seen it, but it, it, it sounds as though somebody in an interview situation had said, based on some third-hand news, they feel like ibuprofen uh, is kind of a, a bit of a fuel to this this viral infection. It, it, that's what you're referring to, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it better to err on the side of caution? It is. Uh, and I think we, we have to do that. Uh, probably the reason why it's spread like it has in, in this country is because it's hard to understand something spreading like that for people who usually lead pretty normal, uneventful non-threatening lives <laughs> and then when something comes along like that it just takes a little while to be like oh hey you know we do need to do this we need to be more careful um so erring on the side of caution now being sure. being in healthcare, how often would you say as far as information new information how quickly is that coming out most well i would say uh week before last um so two two weeks at the end of this week two weeks ago we were not yet using an airborne type of isolation or the most safe masks for everyone mm -hmm. after that time which would be the week before last i ch changes even even during one day, um, our practices would change more than twice, maybe, on some days. It was wow. very, very stressful. Um, as people understood more, hey, we need to wear masks for everybody. Mm -hmm. But I think we're up to pretty much the most... <sighs> protective that we can be where I work. So there hasn't been as many changes this last week um, in my, in where I work and keep in mind, I've only worked in the emergency department. Mm -hmm. I have not worked in the, our walk-in clinic um, in more than two weeks. Um, and I don't work on the main med surge floor. So just in the ER, I feel like at least now, our practices of isolating and protecting ourselves and protecting patients are set. And there hasn't been a lot of new things with that. That's encouraging. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, because I feel like we're understanding that we need to kind of be at, at the most heightened sense of awareness, no matter what the patient's complaint is we're protecting ourselves. 
So explain to me then at your facility, the difference between walk-in and ER in terms of who would actually see somebody who's exhibiting the symptoms. Would they come to the walk-in and that would be as far as they would go? Or if they're exhibiting the symptoms, would they transfer them from the walk-in over to the emergency room? Could there be people that are being seen at the walk-in that exhibit the symptoms and you just wouldn't know about them being in the ER? Um, actually, now they've decided not to see not to see any respiratory patients at all in the walk-in. So for instance, if you came into the parking lot of the hospital, you have to pass first the person who tells you where to go park. Mm -hmm. Um, That person asks you what you're there for. And, And I can't speak to every type of a person or patient I'm, but I know that the respiratory people, if it's very mild, mm-hmm. um, they uh, can go into a tent. If, if okay, I'm, I'm just going to put this out there. If, like, I knew that I needed to be tested, okay, mm-hmm. and I pulled up to that first trailer, mm-hmm. they would tell me to be in my car, stay in my car, and drive up under a awning um, that's covered, but it's open on all sides. It's it's like a like a tent you'd have a wedding under or something. It's sure. open. Sure, like know? a like a like a carport. You, you don't even you don't even get out of your car. Mm-hmm. And they bring the swabs. They come out. They talk to you. They bring the swabs. And and if if they determine you need swabs, um, you are seen right in your car if it's a respite a mild respiratory issue mm-hmm. and they and, an, and a pa or a doctor will come and talk to you out there if it's respiratory um other things you are going through a tent you're you're getting you can get out of your car and the things that are going into the walk-in now are non-respiratory related issues like I twisted my ankle Mm -hmm. yesterday and I still can't walk on it. Um, What they do in the tent is just make sure you don't have a fever and you don't have any other things that would disclude you from going inside to walk in care. So they've still been seeing patients, but they're not seeing any respiratory patients in the walk-in. And if a person has respiratory symptoms and they're uncomplicated, um, you know, in other words, they're not short of breath. They're not, it's not an emergency. Right. They can drive through that open tent. A practitioner and a medical assistant will talk to them. They will determine if they need what they need tested for. Um, and due to the shortages of test supplies of COVID tests, their own they they have a tier system there's like four tiers and i'm not going to be able to unless i looked it up on the computer here no, real that's quick. okay i'm, gonna, I'm not going to be able to tell you what the tiers are sure. um who's in each tier but tier one and tier two are the people that are being tested tier one i believe includes people who are in healthcare and are symptomatic so it already if you're presenting and you are a healthcare worker and you do have some respiratory symptoms they're going to test you for flu uh, they're going to test you for uh, like five or six other respiratory viruses 
and then they're going to do the COVID if you're in um, healthcare. And I know there's other categories. I know because tier one and tier two are the only tiers that are being tested right now. Um, the other, the other people are being just told, um, you know, monitor your symptoms, go home. If you, you obviously, if anybody becomes very ill and needs medical attention, we, I think we're making it very clear. We do not want people to stay home just because we didn't let them in the building today sure. because they have respiratory symptoms. We want people to come and be seen, you know. So there's a certain level, if, if, I, if I have this correctly, there's a certain level of severity. And in the lower stages of severity or the lesser severity, uh, what they're going to do is they may, they, they may tell you self-isolate come in and take the test if it starts to get a little bit worse but once you reach a certain level then definitely do come in for what what would be the next step then at that point so let's say somebody's having problem breathing they're exhibiting all of the symptoms they they can't catch their breath or they cough and cough and cough until they're going to pass out that's when when it's advised to come into the emergency room yep for sure. There was a lot of talk early on, and I'm sure that things have changed a lot since then in terms of the testing itself. Very early on, there was a lot of discussion about testing, whether or not it was available and the return times uh, as far as the results are concerned and, and extended return times. And, and by the time you actually got were able to get tested in the limited amount of tests that were available and you got the results back, you were probably, if you had a mild case, were on the mend anyway. Uh, what can you say as far as, as testing is concerned? Have you seen that there are more tests that are available now? Uh, is the return time quicker? When do you think it's necessary for somebody to come in and get tested? Every day we get a total of how many tests we have at the facility. Um, we have, uh, I can, and I'm only speaking to Reedsburg. Of course. We haven't had more people that needed tested than tests at this point. Um, however, sometimes when the test is sent for the, for a person that we decide to test, mm -hmm. they, the state lab of hygiene periodically does not do, does not follow through and do the test. I do not know why that happens because we do not give them detailed information about the patient. We do give them a form and it includes um, phone number and, and more demographic information about the patient. But I don't, I don't know how they decide who they're going to test and who they're not going to test. And then after that, um, uh, sometimes they initially let our lab know they're not going to do the test and then they do it anyway. So um, the tests are being um, distributed to different labs. It's not, they're not all just going to one place. Mm -hmm. So we get uh, printouts of the results and they take different amounts of time to come back. It's not always the same duration. It depends on where they have to send the actual swab to be tested. Um, and I am, I really, that's all I can say is that in any given day when, cause we read our emails, I mean, everybody's 
has their kind of their face glued to the computer when they first come to work just to catch up. And sure. I'm reading mine from home and every day they list how many tests are available. And when I am there, we are not testing more people than there are tests. We are not running out at Reedsburg. And with there being, as of yesterday, and I apologize because I didn't I didn't go onto the CDC website this morning, and I have been going daily, actually, for some time now. As of yesterday, there were only eight confirmed cases in all of Sauk County. So that being said, with the amount of tests that you have going out, which I'm sure you, you're not aware of what that is, and I'm not asking for that number, but the percentage is... is obviously very low of the returns here in in sock per test that percentage of people who actually have it must be very low yes um especially at reedsburg so far that's very encouraging yeah yeah it is yeah they've had more um cases at at uh in baraboo um and the only reason i know that is because the doctors that we work with also work at st Clair, and they've they've shared with us and and some of the reason they're sharing is because honestly we just one of the questions i've had is is there anything that stands out to them about the people that they've seen that do have it sure you know that are positive that would be helpful for us to recognize mm-hmm. um, so we do we do share information because i think it's helpful you know for, oh i agree for all of us in our care of people can you speak about things that you that you feel are absolute that people people maybe hear and don't know whether or not there's some truth to it? Can you say absolutely this is this is a fact about this virus or or some of the people who are contracting this virus? Do you know some absolutes about it? Um, I don't know. That's a really good question. I'm trying to think how I'm going to answer that. Um, I'll give you an example. I, I'll give you an example if I if I can. Uh, I just recently was was looking at something, and one of the absolutes that I see is that this this virus, uh, the COVID, is I say the COVID like I'm 70 years old exactly. Uh, <laughs> one of the absolutes that I see is it is definitely. Although there are other ways of transmissible, it is definitely a droplet transmissible. I mean, that's definitely one way that you can get it. it would you say that that's true? I mean, there are other ways, but yeah. it, it is pretty definite that if you are in physical contact with some some sputum or something that somebody sneezes out onto a surface within a reasonable yep. amount of time, you will you will run that risk of catching it. That is definitely one way of getting it for sure. Yeah, and it because it lives on surfaces. It depends on the type of surface, but it lives on surfaces longer than uh, that I've typically. Then I've typically learned that things can live on a surface. Sure. Um, that that's one thing, and I and we are treating it really like somewhat like an airborne disease too, which means the droplets are smaller and they go farther and they stay in the air longer too. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we're being very careful about um, doing anything that creates uh, aerosol of droplets in the air 
we are trying not to give nebulizer treatments to these people. We are using special equipment if we have to intubate them to try to keep the particles in the air to a minimum mm -hmm. while we prepare the patient for for intubation. I haven't, to my knowledge, haven't seen anyone who has it. I mean, with my own eyes. Sure. But I would say that I know of, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Right, of course. <laughs> um, I think the absolute thing is, is that it is more communicable than other diseases that we've seen. I had to say one that I do know it's that one and that we need to be more careful. There are a lot of people who are taking the self-isolation and the self-quarantining, I guess, if you feel like you're, you're ill, uh, rather lightly. And what, what is your thought on that? Well, um, I'll give you some, my, my personal thought is that I, I hope that's getting better because I, I will say that I wasn't really stringent about it in the beginning either, but it has also evolved, you know, mm -hmm. originally it was, you know, the people that we thought would put us at risk was a smaller group of people. Um, two weeks and a couple of days ago, we were still screening for people from Italy, Iran, China. There was like five countries. Sure. But even at that time, we probably should have been saying travel. Mm -hmm. Um, so I hope that people are becoming increasingly adherent to it. Although I've heard from uh, someone I know that's still working and still traveling a little bit for work, driving around the state that people, some people really aren't taking it seriously still. It's, it's officially deemed community spread at this point. For sure. Definitely. Explain that if you could. I, I guess yeah, well, I'll, I'll let you explain what community spread yeah, means. Yeah, I, I, I feel like if you you're you got you got it. Like even if you go to the grocery store and you have to go, mm -hmm. uh, maybe if you have gloves, you should wear gloves. You know, mm -hmm. maybe you should think really hard before you pick up whatever you're going to pick up. Make sure that's what you're going to get so you don't have to put it back. You know what I mean? Sure. Because we're, you know, people still have to get things. And if you have to go to the hardware store because you have something that you need to fix in your home, um, you could touch something that somebody else touched. You know, if you have to go to Walmart, I, I mean, I understand that people still need to get stuff, but I think you, we just all need to be really careful because um we don't really know who has it and who doesn't have it and so yeah i that is that is how i'm 
interpreting it too. If this lives on surfaces for a long period of time, then we all need to be really careful when we go out and do the things that we need to do in the community. A lot of what we've heard since the beginning uh, reports on this still hold true, correct? Uh, Wash your hands, don't touch your face, sneeze into your elbow. Yes. If you're not feeling well, stay home. Exactly. Limit your trips uh, out in the public. Limit limit the amount of time that you spend around groups of people. Well, you said that very well. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk briefly. And I really appreciate you taking your time on your day off. And this is this is an important thing. Let's talk very briefly about what you are experiencing and the effect that this has on people in healthcare, you're there. You're on what people are calling the front line. They're they're referring to this in 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 military or war terms now, I guess. And how do you feel? How do you feel the morale is? How do you feel people are are handling things? And of course, you can only speak to your experience of where you're at and people with whom you converse or or communicate. How is it going for for people in in your position and and people who are treating people and people who are are in in healthcare stressful and i'm the type of person that denies that a lot you know i'll i will be trying to keep a stiff upper lip but i can tell you it even though we haven't been really very busy mm-hmm. um it is harder to take care of each patient because of the protective equipment that we have to put on it is so abnormal at work right now that I just find personally, I wish I look ahead and wish for a better time. Um, normal times. There's no, even, even when we get busy, we just need more people because we have to, put all our protective equipment on and then we have to be so careful to clean everything up as we come out of the room. Um, I think people's hands are in bad shape from not that we didn't gel and wash and everything before. There's kind of an extra, there's extra steps when you have to take off your gown and glove gloves try to do it so that you can save the gown Mm -hmm. because we're running out um worry that you didn't do it well enough because you're trying to save the gown then take your gloves off then gel your hands then put more gloves on then wipe your papper or your face shield whichever you're wearing because we can choose Mm -hmm. Um, and then take the gloves off and gel your hands again. Um, figure out where you're going to put that equipment down so that you don't, um, you know, I always feel that I clean it well enough because now I'm setting it on the counter, but I have to set it somewhere. Um, some people, we've figured out how to just keep them on too, so that we, you know, sometimes if you're taking care of one after another patient you can just clean it while it's on your on your body mm-hmm. and move to the next patient but it it's a lot of extra steps 
but we've also just had a really a decrease in patients. Um, and that seems like it would be a good thing, but it's just odd to not do your normal thing. You know, we haven't had as many cardiac patients. We haven't had as many falls. Sometimes EMS is just assessing people in the field. Mm -hmm. If they fell, they're making a call that maybe they don't need to bring that 90 year old person to the ER world where they'll be exposed to illness. Sure. Yeah. That's reasonable. They're, they're, they're helping them get up and they're leaving them at home. And it just feels like I'm not as much of a nurse right now sometimes. Well, um, and, I, 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 let me dispel that because the people then that you are seeing are really critical, I would assume. Well, you know, I, I feel like our acuity hasn't increased a lot yet at this point. We're just seeing less people. Mm. Um, fortunately, and I'm glad, and I'm, but I'm not there every day, too. So, you know, if you talk to another nurse, they might have been there on a day that they did see somebody very acute. But sure, fortunately, sure. we haven't seen any really ill patients from COVID. Um, the positive people we've had have not had as severe of symptoms. Luckily, I'm, I hope it stays that way. Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody to be more sick. It's just a odd change to have an emptier ER, but you still have to keep yourself, you know, obviously we still have to be ready for whatever, you know, um, so we spend our downtime making sure that we are, you know, up to date on changes about how about COVID and, um, you know, just making sure we're ready for whatever comes in the door. So part of that stress, as I understand it from what you're saying, is not having all of the knowledge necessary for treating the illness, but a larger part of the stress is procedural and not having enough equipment necessary to do the job without having to to give that additional thought. Right. That's that's good. That's a good um synopsis, I think. Because if you could just easily take the gown off, throw it into the laundry or the trash, I don't know what way that yeah, works. It would be the trash. It would be the trash normally. And then, and then go on to another patient without having to do much more than maybe gel, you know, your hands or exposed areas or something like that. That'd be a different story than having to go through this procedure of, and 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 because that takes time, that's a lot of time of you thinking about what if this person has it, and gosh, did I, did I just touch mm -hmm. that thing, or did, you know. Did what I touched just touch that counter? And is somebody going to get in here and clean up? What in terms of cleaning up? What is happening in terms of like um, housekeeping and and cleaning the areas and and making sure that that anything that people, patients or prospective patients who come in and come in contact with, what's happening there? What do you see with that? Well, we're trying to utilize people who aren't otherwise able to do their own job. Uh, like, I don't think, you know, there's some departments like massage that aren't uh, doing their normally scheduled work. Mm -hmm. So 
they've actually utilized some of them to clean and our registration and they're cleaning our work areas is what they're doing Mm -hmm. because that's just one more layer we can put on it so for instance we we're trying to make an effort to stay at the same computer and use the same phone Mm -hmm. during our shift um so i'm always going back to the same computer in the nurse's station but all the counters all the keyboards all of those types of things are being cleaned like every one to two hours with mm. quaternary solution. I don't know if I said that right. I have trouble saying that word. But so there's <laughs> either registration staff, there's staff from other departments that aren't being that aren't doing their normal work, or there's housekeeping coming around and wiping things down. Mm. And if we have inpatient with respiratory problems, um, that is a special clean done by housekeeping uh, with different um, solution than we would use because typically the nurses clean rooms between patients and we're taught to do that we have to pass a test uh, like an OSHA test sure um, to to someone has to observe us cleaning to make sure that we're doing it right Mm -hmm. and that's who normally turns over a room the nurses but these particular if any patient has any respiratory symptoms at all they're they're the highest level of isolation from a respiratory standpoint and and housekeeping cleans that room Hmm. um after patients so yeah it's it is different um i know that i think about everything differently because i'm not uh super cautious i mean i'm cautious at my job but i've been more cautious i i've really (laughs) slowed down when i clean the rooms and i don't care what is happening around me i am cleaning everything the mouse the computer mouse the you know every part of the bed um you know and i'm not saying i didn't do that before but i am certainly taking more time to make sure it's all clean well and then in part of that that hypersensitivity do you internalize that like if you feel a tickle in your throat or if you (laughs) have a headache or something like that now you're well self-diagnosing more than before right now (laughs) with with symptoms that aren't exactly classic and i'm you know i'm i'm basically sitting in my bedroom waiting for you know my test to come back sure and i feel kind of stupid at times although i'm getting tired talking to you and i normally wouldn't get tired talking especially Um, to me (laughs) yes (laughs) i feel kind of dumb but on the other hand i don't want to ignore something and then go to work and make somebody else sick you know right so I do think it it does that to to people in general because everybody, uh, you know, nobody wants to be sick with it because we're all worried about it worsening and right. you know getting to the to the point where we're very ill and um, so I think you have to even t- I think you have to take in in even mild symptoms into account because some people just don't get as sick with it but if if I'm not going to be as sick with it that doesn't mean I couldn't make somebody else 
you know, sick and they would get sicker than me. Right. Because so, there's no it's 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 indiscriminate. There's no way right. of knowing you may have mild symptoms and I may come in after you and, and I might have life threatening symptoms. Yeah, especially if you have other health problems. So and most of the people that come into the ER have comorbidities that, you know, could make them sicker than me. So I wouldn't want to give anything to a patient or a coworker. So yeah, for my own personal, you know, I always I um I'm a lot like a I I don't think I've ever gone past my teenage years in that I think I'm personally invincible. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you mentioned, you're getting a little a little tired here, and uh, those who are listening don't know that we're doing uh, a face-to-face sort of messenger thing, and I can see that you're getting fatigued, so I'm going to call this to an end, but I do want you to know that I hope that, that you start feeling better. How long have you got off of, of work right now, officially? I'm, I'm, if, if my test comes back negative before Thursday, then I would possibly go back to work Thursday. Okay. Otherwise, I feel like just from my reading, I'll be off for two solid weeks. Well, um, so I wouldn't go back to work for, till the next week if, if my test comes back positive. Well, two solid weeks of you getting rest and, and recovery, I think, is, is I know how you feel for those out there who are listening. We've known each other for a few years now, and I know how you feel about helping people and getting back out there to do your job. And it's more than a job for you. I know this about you. But I also know that two solid weeks of recovery would be a good thing for you. And and I hope you don't have it, but I hope that you're able to spend as much time focusing on yourself as possible. That sounds like a good wish. Thank you. (laughs) So I really do appreciate you, Teresa. And I am grateful for you taking the time to do this I will let you get on with the rest of your day whatever that has for you and I really hope for the best and uh, we'll keep in touch here remotely (laughs) (laughs) no no offense (laughs) and uh, no offense taken great well take care of yourself Teresa we'll talk again soon thank you thank you thank you bye 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 Well, so there you have it. That was my interview with Teresa Zolzinski, registered nurse with Reedsburg Area Medical Center. And she is a little under the weather, as you could hear. And my thoughts go out to her. I hope that she's going to recover well. She, I wasn't really going to touch on it, but she did in the interview. Yes, she is. Uh, she did go and she did get tested. And it's going to be a few days before she finds out. And hopefully... It's not as bad as it could be. So my thoughts go out to Teresa and, of course, her family. And she's a friend of ours, and so we care about her a lot. So hope that she can get the downtime needed and recovering from what is ailing her at this point. I just want to take a moment and thank, again, all members of healthcare and you grocery store workers, oh my goodness, and gas station attendants and people who generally had been maybe 
passed over. I mean, think about it. I, I saw something today that said that people who are working in, in grocery stores and restaurants and, and uh, you know, registered nurses and, and things of this nature are the ones that are really the essential people. So then why are athletes making millions of dollars annually? And that's something to ponder, isn't it? Take the opportunity to thank people as best you can. And as I said earlier in this episode, it really is good for you to be able to even virtually get in touch with people and, and thank them. Send them a message. It goes a long way. It, it truly does. I hope everybody out there is staying safe, staying indoors as much as you possibly can and away from uh, as many other people as you possibly can until this whole thing goes over. And it, it will go over. I don't know when. Nobody knows when it does. Who knows what it's going to be like on the other side. Hopefully it's going to be a more empathetic and sympathetic place where we all realize that there's this moment in our lives where we all cared about each other as much as we do right now. So please keep that in mind. Uh, just some housekeeping as far as the Porter Notes podcast. You can get in touch with me and Lori uh, via our website, porternotes.com. You can go to our Facebook page. Uh, facebook.com slash porternotes email us at porternotes at gmail.com you know if you're listening to this podcast you, you know how to get in touch with us uh, it's always in the in the bumpers and again a big thank you to all of our supporters and best of luck to everybody out there we'll be in touch real soon there is another episode of this series uh, faith in modern times uh, in that I, I speak with Buddhist abbot Mado Moore, and that should be coming up soon. I was planning on putting these out every two weeks, but it really seems like two weeks was too long in between Clark and Sonny, so I'll, I'll try and get the Mado Moore episode up a little bit quicker than this. So again, best of luck to everybody out there. I'll be talking to you again really soon. Thanks. Thanks.